you know, I was just trying to get through a high risk pregnancy. And then the next thing I know, my daughter is whisked away to the NICU for low glucose. My son can't latch. And then I have a lactation consultant in my room telling me that I need to pump, but like no one could guide me what to do. And I hear this story quite often from a lot of followers on being my best friend. And I think that really was also the driving force behind getting started was there's just such a lack of education for pumping. You're listening to the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast, where you'll gain the knowledge and confidence you need to erase the unknowns of pregnancy and birth and rock the newborn days like a boss. My name is Liesl Team. I'm a fellow mom, labor and delivery nurse, and your host. Each week on this podcast, you'll hear a mix of birth stories, expert interviews, and other fun pregnancy and birth-related content. As a reminder, anything you hear on this podcast is not medical advice. Please see mommylabornurse.com slash disclaimer for more details. And now let's get into this week's episode. Happy Monday, you guys. All right. In this week's episode of the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast, I chatted with my friend Kristen, who I met on Instagram. She is an experienced pumping mama. She's a certified lactation consultant and the face behind the amazing platform, Be My Breast Friend. I like that. Not be my best friend, but be my breast friend. (laughs) Kristen created her Instagram page, Be My Breast Friend, to help and encourage parents who found themselves in a similar situation as herself, a new mom struggling with breastfeeding and pumping. I think a lot of us can relate to that. (laughs) This resource became a passion that led her to acquire her certified lactation counselor credentials, and the platform has grown into a truly incredible community. Inside of today's episode, Kristen weighs in on, well, all things pumping. Lots and lots. <laughs> she talked about sizing, when to start pumping, tips for exclusive pumpers, what to do if you see a dip in your supply, and so much more. Are you ready to dive in? Let's learn all about pumping. All right, let's do it. I am so excited to tell you about this episode's sponsor, Willow. In 2014, Willow forever changed the way women pump by creating the world's first all-in-one in-bra wearable breast pump. We're talking hands-free, cord-free with no dangling bottles or cords tying you down. Willow's game-changing pumps fit discreetly in your bra and quietly pump and collect your milk while you go about your day. Even more exciting, Willow now has two hands-free, cord-free pump options. The premium Willow 3.0 gives moms 360-degree leak-proof mobility thanks to their milk bags and gravity-defying latch technology. With Willow 3.0, you could literally run a marathon without spilling a drop. Seriously, it's actually been done. (laughs) And the brand new Willow Go pump has an even higher capacity and a lower price, perfect for moms on the go. I used the Willow 3.0 back when I was nursing for Rylan and I had an amazing experience. As a working mom, there is really nothing better than being able to pump without cords with my shirt on at my desk or at the nurse's station on my hospital shifts. If you're pumping or you will be soon, you need to check out Willow Pumps. And we've got a discount code for you too. Go to onewillow.com slash MLN and use the code MLN10 for 10% off the pump of your choice. Even the brand new Willow Go. Again, visit one 
onewillow.com slash MLN and use the code MLN10 for 10% off your Willow Pump for a limited time. Hi, Kristen. Welcome to the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast. Thanks so much for being here today with me. Hi, Lisa. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we've known each other for a little while now. I can't remember like when I reached out to you or when you reached out to me like two or three years ago now. I don't know. Yeah, every bit of, yeah. I think you were pregnant with your third, right? Like you were still pregnant at the time? Yeah, I I had to have been. Yeah, Yeah. no, you're right about that. Yeah, 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 because I didn't start pumping for my multiples like and they were born in 2018 so that's right yeah 2019 is when we connected cool love it love it so we go way back guys (laughs) so if you don't mind telling people who you are obviously people know your name is Kristen (laughs) but if you don't mind telling people who you are where you live what you do what your hobbies are anything you want to share go ahead sure of course so my name is Kristen I live in Chicago soon relocating outside of Chicago but staying in the vicinity of and I'm a mother to my two surviving triplets. I was pregnant with triplets and Mm -hmm. I have my boy girl at home. And then I've also got after that, my rainbow baby, who's going to be two in June. And I'm currently pregnant, uh, five months pregnant with our next surprise baby. (laughs) Yeah. Do we know boy or girl or did you, you, are you not going to find out? No, we found out with my multiples. And I felt like for me, that was more of a personal thing because I had lost the baby. So I really wanted that connection to know the gender of the, you know, who we were going to be meeting um, in May. And then with my singleton and this singleton, it's all a surprise. So it's just more fun for me. Yeah. Yeah. So fun. Mm -hmm. It's so fun. I did that with both of the boys and it's just it's a ball. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. So come June, we'll all know. But right yeah. now, it's, it's just, you know, anyone's guess. And then I have my CLC credentials. I While I was pregnant, I believe, I can't even keep, I don't even know what day of the week it is, but I believe I was pregnant. I got my CLC, my certified lactation counselor credentials. And the reason for that, I guess I should give a little backstory. When I was pumping for my multiples, one thing led to another. I just got really involved and really interested in the whole how you do it. Like what I didn't even know I was exclusive pumping. I didn't know there was a name for what I was doing every three hours around the clock. And then as it turned out, I was an exclusive pumper. Mm-hmm. And then I just got deeper and deeper into it and the science of it and milk production and this and that. And then the next thing I know, I was getting people reaching out to me from all over like people like reconnecting from high school and such saying, Hey, I heard you're pumping. And I'm like, who told you that? But yeah, you know, it was like so bizarre, but it was cool because I was able to help people from like, you know, other like areas like that from high school, like coworkers, wives. And then the next thing I know, my sister recommended, she goes, why don't you start an Instagram page? Be my best friend. And you know, and I said, Lisa, I told my sister, I go, no one wants to follow me. I'm not interested. Like, Aww. who's going to be interested in this? But I said, you know what? I got nothing to lose. Yeah. So I started that. It was Valentine's Day 2019 or 18 or something or 19. It would be. I started that. And here we are today. So yeah. with everything leading up, I was like, you know what? I really want to get like formally educated also in addition to my experience. And that's how I became a CLC. So that's in my back pocket. Yeah, I love it. No, I love your page and I refer to it all the time. Such good resources and your videos are so great. I love 
Like, I feel like that's how all of these passion projects start is you just get really, really into something. And then you're like, okay, I want everybody to just know all of the things that are in my brain and I'm going to put it out there. And then it just becomes a passion project and yours turned into an Instagram page. It, it, that's so true. Everyone, <laughs> people I talked to like, I got to get myself into something. I wonder what yeah. I can do. And I was like, you can't think about it. It just has to happen. Yeah, it's an all, exactly. all organic. It yes. truly is. Yes. Yeah. And it is a passion. So it's not like I'm trying to fake it till I make it, you know, like <laughs> this is, this is the real deal. It's kind of yeah. become an obsession. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I hear you on that. Well, today our episode, since you are the pumping lady, right? Oh, yes. <laughs> today we're going to be focusing mainly on pumping. We'll talk a little bit about breastfeeding as well, but mainly on pumping because I think pumping is one of the things that when you think about, we're starting to change the narrative of like not educating for breastfeeding during pregnancy. Like we're starting to change that. Like people understand that, okay, we have to start doing some education during pregnancy before we get into breastfeeding, but it's still, we still have a long ways to go. Right. But I think pumping is even more removed. Like people are like, okay, you just start thinking about nursing, but pumping is like a whole different world and you don't really start to learn about it until you're in it. So pumping is just one of those things that lots of questions obviously surround around the subject. Oh, absolutely. I totally agree. I know like when I had my multiples, I had gotten the question like probably everyone does, oh, do you plan on breastfeeding? And I was yeah. like, yeah, what, what, what's there to think about? Why wouldn't yeah. I? You know, and I just figured it would come naturally. There wouldn't be much of a learning curve because what did I know? You know, I was just trying to get through a high risk pregnancy. And then the next thing I know, my daughter is whisked away to the NICU for low glucose. My son can't latch. And then I have a lactation consultant in my room telling me that I need to pump, but like no one could guide me what to do. And I hear this story quite often from a lot of followers on being my best friend. And I think that really was also the driving force behind getting started was there's just such a lack of education for pumping, yeah. even from like educated medical providers, like not a knock to them by any means, you know, it's just the way this has been, you know, going. And luckily, fortunately, there's so many of us that are trying to change that and trying to offer more information to get started. And, you know, even if you don't have to know everything, right, yeah. you just want a base and that's what we're here trying to do. So yeah. And make it easy to understand in like a fun way on Instagram or on social yeah. media, you yeah. know, like with videos. Totally. Totally. Oh, so. Yeah, cool. absolutely. All right. Well, let's talk about kind of the first step, getting your sure. breast pump during your pregnancy. First of all, do you recommend people even get it during the pregnancy or do you recommend you get it like after you have your baby or how do you even go about getting a breast pump? I think regardless of what your motivating factor is, if you want to feed at breast or if you think you want to pump, you really don't know until baby's here, right? Like my example, perfect. Like I wanted to, I wanted to nurse my children at the breast, but that wasn't an option. It wasn't in the cards. Fortunately, I had my breast pump. Mm -hmm. So I would absolutely recommend diving into the breast pump purchase. Hopefully, you know, hopefully your insurance is able to help you out with that. So, you know, you don't have to worry about the expense necessarily and get in there and get that at least have it on the back burner. Mm -hmm. There's certainly no harm in that. And I know for myself, I believe it was around 36 weeks is when my my provider writes me my script. So I want to talk about flange sizing because this okay. is one of those videos that I love to send people <laughs> on your page. And I've done posts on it as well about flange sizing, how important it is, especially for someone who is pumping a lot. I mean, really yes. for anybody, right? But like, especially for somebody who's pumping a lot, maybe you're, 
maybe it's uncomfortable. Having the wrong franchise is like so, so common and not mm-hmm. p- people don't understand that. You know, they think like, oh, uh, some people I'm sure don't even realize that you can get a different flange size because a lot of pumps just come with one. So I want to know from you, like, what am I even talking about when I talk about flange size and yeah. how do you even do it? <laughs> Absolutely. So yeah, flange size is right. You get, that's, use Spectra for an example. When you get your Spectra S1, S2, whichever, you are going to get a 24 millimeter and a 28 millimeter flange. And you're thinking, okay, I'm one of these two, right? Wrong. You can be as small as a 13 millimeter, 15, 17, 19, 21, and then as large as like a 32. And I want to say there's even a size larger, but there is a huge range of flange sizes. And then you're thinking, okay, well, how in the world do I know? Okay, so if you're pregnant, I would suggest to hold off to measure your nipple. So we're not talking about your areola. We're talking about the nipple, the base of your nipple. And when you are at your resting size, there's no influence on size from suction of the pump or influence from the baby suckle. Just resting, we're going to measure that at the base and then we'll add two to three millimeters to that resting size mm-hmm. to get our proper, at least like dial into the, the nearest flange size. And then from there, we could take it a step further. But if you're pregnant, I would recommend not doing this just yet until after birth because hormones can also play a factor in your nipple size. I can tell you right now that my nipples do not look like they did 12 years ago. Yeah. So, <laughs> Good point. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. so it's just something that you may want to wait a little bit and then someone will say, well, then what do I do for now? Well, I would say just use what you can most comfortably. And then like once you're about a week or so in, if you find you're an exclusive pumper, possibly sooner, if you find that it's actually causing nipple damage, because that's a, that's a whole nother topic in itself. Mm-hmm. I would get in there and measure and then dial it into your nearest flange size plus two or three millimeters to your resting size. I've been seeing, I see it once in a blue moon, pump and then measure two to three millimeters, add two to three to your your measurement. And I will say from experience, if I did that, I could fill any flange. I have elastic tissue. So if I pump with a 28 millimeter, like I'm going to have a plum for a nipple and then I'm going to be adding like three millimeters to that. And I'm going to have a massive flange size. So I think it's most fair to just suggest and recommend measure two to three, add two to three millimeters to your resting size. Yeah. So yeah, that's a good don't idea. get that twisted. No, that's a good, that's a good thing to add to. Cause I'm thinking about with my first one, I thought I was a way bigger franchise and even violence mm-hmm. starting out, I thought I was a way bigger franchise. And when I really understood franchising better, I was like, Oh, wait a second. I am mm-hmm. having a little bit of pain, but yeah, like let me try this smaller size and whoa, my pain goes away. And that's a huge thing that we see is like, oh my gosh, I'm having pain with pumping. It's like, oh, maybe it's your flinch size. So Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people think, I think that's common though. A lot of people think that they are a bigger size than they actually are. Correct me if I'm wrong. No, no, I absolutely agree with you. And I can yeah. also, I can also relate. And I, I have heard, I have seen, I shouldn't say I hear, because I'm reading all this, you know, I see a lot of people's people like give their advice. And some people will say, well, my nipple doesn't expand in the baby's mouth when I'm nursing. Well, that's not correct, right? Mm-hmm. That's not true. Your nipple is, is expanding in the baby's mouth. And I try to relate everything back to nursing, because I feel like there's kind of this odd disconnect between pumping and nursing. It's yeah. really this, I mean, it's, the same mechanics, right? Yeah. Like our bre- our t- breast tissue and our um, nipples are, you know, expanding within the babies and while they're eating, and then we're also expanding within a flange. So there, you actually you're not 
not expanding in one and expanding in the other. You are in both. You just don't see it. Yeah. Yeah. So you have to take that into account. And yeah, you don't want your true to size necessarily because then you're looking at like no expansion room and you don't want too large because then you're just looking at major damage. Yeah, totally. Good point. Well, before we move on to the next question regarding franchises, how does somebody like, do you just use a ruler or do you use like, what do you, Perfect. how do you even, yeah, good question. Even, Thank you. Like, measure it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I can point in, in my direction. I know in my bio and in my Instagram link tree, I do have a quick link to a, a MEMA metric ruler. Mm-hmm. So there's, you can find free printouts all over and it's going to be all based off the metric system. So you're looking for just like a little slide guide that you can measure the base of your nipple. If you want to take it a step further, I know like Legendary Milk sells a breast nipple ruler. You can buy a metric ruler off Amazon. You know, it just make sure whatever you do, you find metric or you do the right conversion. Yeah, yeah, makes make sense. And I'm going to actually for this episode link that link that you're talking about because I know I've sent people to that link as well, that little printout ruler. And that's fairly simple to print out and use. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. very easy. Very, very easy. And mm-hmm. I will say too, this is a tip that, I didn't have to use two different sizes, but like, make sure you, you measure both of your nipples, right? Because like, yes. maybe one can be bigger than the other. <laughs> I'm guilty. I use oh, a 24 really? on one size and 21 on the other. Oh, so, well, there yeah. you go. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> there you go. I, thank you. You're refreshing my memory on all these things. <laughs> no, you're good. <laughs> I'm getting you're really good. schooled. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, you're fine. <laughs> all right. So let's talk about another loaded question of like, when do you even start? Is there a perfect time to start pumping after you have a baby? Yes. Well, yeah, loaded is right. So let's yeah. take it a step backwards to just to prenatal. I'm sorry, pregnancy. That's when we're harvesting colostrum during pregnancy. And there is a really great study that I, I can send to you if you want to link at some point. Yeah. I just referenced it recently. Let me see if I can. I have my notes because I got mom brain. Same. So <laughs> it never goes away. <laughs> no, apparently not. <laughs> So it's okay. So typically speaking, if you're not high risk, you may be able to start harvesting colostrum around week 36, right? 36, 37. So I did some more research, did some digging because it's very common. You'll see the conversation about harvesting colostrum, but what, like, what's the science behind it? Like, you know, some people I've been getting messages. My doctor said it was a fad. If I harvest my colostrum while I'm pregnant, there will be none for the baby. These are all bogus, right? None of this is true. It's not true. Got it. Um, It's unfortunate that that information is being spread. So um, there is a PubMed study and it's um, about expression at 36 weeks and on until delivery. Mm-hmm. And they believe these mothers are expressing like two to three times a day, which is what I did when I harvested for my singleton. Mm-hmm. And the, it's been proven that when you start harvesting during your pregnancy, you're, you reduce the complications at birth, we reduce the delay of onset lactation and mm. it facilitates it, it facilitates and opens milk ducts. So oh. it's actually, there's quite a bit more to it, which I think is really fascinating. Um, yeah. And maybe I didn't even realize it. I mean, I was a second time breastfeeding mom, but like I had harvested about 15 mLs, I believe, which is a half an ounce of colostrum leading up to my daughter, my singleton's delivery. And then once we were in recovery and everything, I was just like, I wasn't like, you know, no mature milk, of course, I was still producing colostrum, but I was like, you know, I was a machine, I was ready to go. And I really didn't have much, many issues. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if 
could it have been because I had already been harvesting leading up? Like I was just, you know, I was getting like everything ready and the ducks opening, like, you know, there's, there's a lot to be said about that. It may, may or may not be completely, you know, the reason why, but it definitely helps familiarize yourself with hand expression. Practice makes perfect. Mm-hmm. I will say that I was never, I was never good at hand expression. More recently, like in my last pregnancy, just getting all that practice in, you know, for like the week or so leading up to delivery, I just got familiar with my breasts and just how to hand express because once you do deliver baby, we're not looking to hook up to a mechanical pump right away, right? Even talking even as an exclusive pumper, you know, our colostrum is thicker, it has a higher viscosity, so it has the more potential to get stuck in the pump parts. It's not going to flow as like freely, right? And it's like, it's not as liquefied, if you will, as like your mature milk, which, you know, it's going to, you know, this is like just more drops. So it's just more concentrated. So you're looking to hand express once baby is here. So kind of now to answer your question, if you are looking to exclusively pump within the first two hours after birth is when you're going to want to start getting the ball rolling and expression. And then again, I'm not saying like, don't hook up to your spectrum, Adela, baby Buddha, whatever get in there first with your hands because you're expressing such a minimal amount because baby's not looking for three ounces yeah. at delivery, right? right? So we can just hand express that colostrum and then you can use a syringe, dropper, cup feed, right? There's so many different options. So as an exclusive pumper, you do want to get in there though within like the first two hours after birth. And I've been in this situation too where I hemorrhaged after my multiples delivery. So I my milk was delayed. I, you know, I lost blood. I was I was in some trouble, you know, my babies were separated from me. And I didn't get in there and start expressing milk till hours later. And some people are like, oh, I had a similar situation. Did I ruin my milk supply? I didn't put baby up breast right away. I didn't get to start pumping your hand expressing two hours after delivery. No, no, no. Like, don't overthink it. It's, yeah. It is definitely in our best interest to get started sooner than later. Yeah. But if it doesn't happen, don't think you've just like ruined and lost your milk supply because that's also not true. That makes a lot of sense. So what about if someone is planning on breastfeeding, you know, for the majority of the time, but they know that they have to go back to work at, Mm -hmm. you know, 12 or however many weeks, 16 weeks. When do you recommend like starting to, starting to think about that pump? Sure. I would first start with thinking about getting an introduction to a bottle, which I guess goes hand in hand Mm. with pumping, right? So you don't want, you don't want to feed baby a boob you know, for the first three months and then be like, Hey kid, here's a bottle. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) exactly. (laughs) So, I mean, I know from experience, like good friends of mine who are extended breastfeeders, they'll, they always started around three to four weeks, which is the common, you know, the common suggestion. So, um, and it worked really well. Have like your partner or someone other than yourself because babies are smart. They know the boob is right there. Why is there a bottle here? Give me the boob. So, you know, if you can have someone else, give them a bottle. Um, so even just to get that intro to the bottle, not necessarily to build a stash. And then once you start, you know, now it's time to get like, get back into the workforce and I want a stash. Don't think you need a freezer of 500 ounces. You know, our babies aren't milk guzzling, not, you know, like 50 ounces a day, likely, right. We're looking at like 24 to 28, 30 ounces a day. So just getting a day or two, possibly three days ahead of the curve. You know, because in our defense too, when we go back to work, it is stressful. You know, sometimes our schedules don't play out like we expect them to. So we might find that we're not able 
to get in there and get our pump breaks like we would. And, oh, we lost a session. So that would, would have been five ounces of milk possibly or three ounces of milk, right? Mm-hmm. So just getting like maybe just like just slightly more milk than you may need because it won't go to waste. You could always freeze it, yeah. but at least you have it. I would say just getting started probably about a week in advance or so, just trying to you know slowly start to build up a stash yeah. and to get acquainted with your pump and go use it. You know, now if you've been bottle feeding like once a day or so for the last you know month and a half or so, hopefully by now you are well acquainted with your pump and you're more familiar and comfortable using it. Yeah, makes sense. So another question that I get a lot is like, okay, when you start pumping, we got the time frame down, but like I'm breastfeeding every two to three hours. Like when do I even pump? Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So the, the real, the recommendation and way easier said than done is you should be pumping while away from baby as often as your baby will be feeding while you're mm-hmm. with them. Mm-hmm. And that just simply isn't the case for a lot of people, unfortunately. So what I suggest, and I know I've done it myself many, many times, even if you can't get your full session in, remove as much milk as you can. You know, I shouldn't say as much, but I should say use more of like just um, a time frame. Just even if it's not a 20-minute session, you can get in there for five or six, 10 minutes. Yeah. Get that 10-minute session in because any milk removed is better than no milk removed. Because yeah. once we stop removing milk, that's you know nature's way of weaning, right? Mm-hmm. If we're not removing milk, we don't need the milk. So mm-hmm. we stop producing. And I'm not saying you're going to dry up overnight by any means, but just to keep the wheels turning, yeah. right? Just remove milk to make milk and yeah, decrease. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. So I know a big myth is you think the bigger, the more full oh. that you get, let's dispel this one, oh. you know where I'm going. You know yes. that the like the more full that I get, <laughs> if I wait for four hours, like I get way more oh. when I wait for four oh. hours. So like, why can't I just wait for four hours or five hours every time? Oh, you're killing me. This, <laughs> I, <laughs> no, no. I mean, in a good way. Yeah. This <laughs> drives me up a wall. Yeah. So I can, okay. Let's say that Let's start with saying that this isn't like, I wouldn't say this is completely not factual, right? Like some people do, in fact, may find that they have more of an output if they miss an hour or an hour and a half, two hours of pumping. Mm -hmm. Now, why is that? So when I like to think of it as autopilot. So we say our bodies are used to expressing milk six times a day over a 24 hour period. And we skip one session. Our body's still going to be producing that milk that we would generally see in that in that 24-hour window. If we skip a session, our bodies could still very well be creating, producing milk. And then we skip a session and now we just pumped a little bit more. Wow, it worked. Okay. We made more milk. But if we continue to do that, that goes back to the mother nature thing. That's mm-hmm. nature's way of of reducing supply. So often if you want to wean and you start reducing sessions, you may see what you think to be an increase in volume. But when in fact, it's not because over time, if you keep that up, your body will regulate to your new demand Mm -hmm. to that different quantity of pumps per day or feedings. Mm -hmm. So um, I guess another kind of way to put this, if baby starts solids, many people say, oh, my baby started solids and I don't make as much milk anymore. It's not a correlation between baby starting solids and you just your body being like, ooh, baby's on solids. I'm going to slow down. It could be because you're not expressing milk as often. Your baby's not eating at the breast as often. So your body is slowly reducing its supply to regulate to the new demand. 
Mm -hmm. It's kind of complicated, I think, when I'm trying to say it out loud. Is this making sense? No, it is. It is. I know. All right. The sound of that baby crying means it's time for this week's segment of Birth It Up Babies. All right. This one is a DM I got from Instagram. She says, I just wanted to say your natural course totally saved me. The summer between eighth and ninth grade, I had back surgery for scoliosis. I actually have a good friend who had the very same surgery around the very same time, actually. She says, when I got pregnant, my OB told me I may not, but probably could have an epidural due to the surgery. So I prepared for going unmedicated via your course with my husband. At 39 weeks and five days, I had my OB appointment and she did a sweep. Went into labor at about 1 p.m. that afternoon and checked into the hospital that evening. Was set on going unmedicated until they admitted me where I told my husband, forget it, I'm getting the drugs. (laughs) And then the anesthesiologist told me, due to my rods, I couldn't. So I had my baby girl unmedicated and I don't think I could have gotten through it without all of your techniques. I learned through the course. My LD nurse even stayed through shift change to see her be born, and she told me she hadn't seen a birth that calm and powerful in a long, long time. Oh. Also, shout out to Wakeman, which is where I work. That is where my husband was born. Oh, how cool. <laughs> so, if you want to learn about the course that this mom took, she took Birth It Up the Natural Series, and you can head over to mommylabornurse.com and click on the Natural Series. All right, let's get right back into this week's episode. But again, pumping is an advanced subject in and of itself, right? Like I am almost worried somebody is listening to this podcast episode just started, like not even breastfeeding yet, pregnant. And they're like, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, pumping is so overwhelming. So that leads me to your next question, (laughs) to my next question. It can feel super overwhelming. Like where would you recommend of a base start. If if you're listening to this episode right now and you're like, what the heck is she even talking about? How do I even start? Like, what are some basic kind of things to start looking at? Oh man, that's a tough one. I would <laughs> say definitely. Um, I, I feel like most people prefer informal information than they do like True. educated going to a class. I know myself, I don't have time. I don't have the desire to like go somewhere a couple times a week or whatever. I rather educate myself from other people's experiences. That yeah. that for me is always helpful. Hopefully yeah. you're re- looking at, you know, accurate information, but there's so many sources like us out there that I think is like kind of a nice place just to start getting your feet wet. Yeah. Um, and then from there, um, you know, uh, gosh, I would contact and see what kind of lactation um, hospital may offer because there's certainly no harm in like going to a one, you know, like one class or so just to get an idea. And quite honestly, it really, um, there's a lot of sources out there. I can, I maybe, maybe we can like make a list or something that we can like put together, honestly. Yeah. We can link a lot of stuff in the show notes. And I know, um, a good way, I think, I think you said it, like just getting your feet wet, starting to read some things or starting to like follow you or follow other pumping pages and just starting yeah. to see what the language is. Cause it's like a lot of different terms and just mm-hmm. people are, ta- you know, like what is even a letdown and what is this? What is that? So just yeah. like, or maybe like joining, uh, they have like Facebook groups and stuff that you can join and people are just starting to ask questions. So it kind of gets you I think that's great. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit more like familiar with the subject. So, but yeah, it's 
very overwhelming to say the least, like in the beginning. But I will say though, if you feel you're getting off to a bad start or having a bad day, you miss a session, you can't get something dialed in, just breathe. Because, you know, one mistake, if you will, if you even want to call it that, you know, one mishap, you know, one loss, one missed session or, you know, baby can't latch. So I had to get on a pump. Like, oh my God, my baby's never going to latch. You can navigate that at another day, at another time, you know, make that lactation consultant appointment and get a good evaluation. Oh, you know, a weight, a weight check after and before nursing your baby at breast. Like there are so, there are a lot of avenues of help out there. And I think you just don't go into this thinking that you're in trouble because, or even if you have a bad day, you didn't lose your supply. You will be able to get it back. You just don't want to take like, I've gotten messages like this too. I took two weeks off and my milk supply is gone. How do I get it back? Yeah. I was like, oh, well, we shouldn't have taken two weeks off. Unfortunately, we can't take vacations from this. Is kind of like, it's not an all or nothing, but it's certainly not like something that we can take a vacation from and then expect it to still be there when we come back two weeks later. That's that's crazy that she, what, did she not pump at all for two? Like that's- Nothing, yeah. Wow. How did, yeah. okay. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, well, it's sort of very- I think also in, in some people's defense, it's also a change of heart. You know, some people are like, okay, I think I'm done. And then something may change with uh-huh. like baby's medical condition or whatever the case may be, or, you know, I miss it. I want to go back. And by this point, I don't want to say it's a lost cause, but when you start losing your supply for any reason, um, it could take extra work to get it back. So yeah. I, you, you want to build that foundation and then you want to protect it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you want to continue to remove milk, even if it's not like, every two to three hours, which I can get into that too. Um, kind of, kind of wild, but I have a really cool study to share that, cool. um, may, may make people feel a little at ease because I think okay. pumping is like, it could be very discouraging when you're like, well, how often do I have to hook up to a pump? Oh my God. Two to three hours, every two yeah. to three, like how in the world do you do this? And honestly, it, it is very hard, right. Being completely honest. Um, so for myself, I know like when I get started, I do pump every three hours and then I will go to four hours. And then depending on how far postpartum I am and how much I'm wanting to supply my baby or my kids, because I was feeding all three on my last one, all my, my toddlers and my little guy, um, they were all drinking milk for 16 months post that delivery, the second delivery. Um, so I wanted, I wanted to keep my supply up because I was feeding three kids, but I had a pretty healthy supply. If I wanted to reduce it to feed just one, I would have been able to go down to less pumps. So um, going into this, you don't have to be scared thinking that you're going to have to pump every two hours. You very well may not, right? It's all about your capacity and output and, yeah. um, and what you aim to feed. So there's this really cool study. It's a, based on nursing moms. Um, but there's these two sets of moms and one nurse, one set nurse baby 10 times a day over a 24 hour period, approximately 140 minutes all day. Another set, like call them a group B, they uh, expressed milk fed baby at breast seven times a day for approximately 140 minutes. On day 35, their supply, their milk supply was measured about equivalent. So, so it's the minutes really that kind of, right. Like the time spent. Yes. Yeah. yeah. More. Yeah. More or less. So, um, you don't have to think like I have to pump ten times a day to keep my supply up. It is as long as you're hitting approximately 140 minutes. And I'm not saying don't pump 140 minutes in a row. Your number one, you rip your nipples off. 
<laughs> and and it's not working the same, right? We're looking for an elevated prolact like prolactin, you know, the rise and drop. Like that's what we're looking for. So we want that uh, activation and um, influence of production over 40, 140 minutes in a 24 hour period. How's cool. that? Cool. I love it. <laughs> Maybe we should name the episode 140 minutes in a 24 hour period. Cause I feel there like that's a, that's a huge question that people ask. All right. I think I'm going to skip over it. We'll edit this part out. Um, cause we okay. already talked about hand expression. We already talked about mobile pumping. Yeah. I think we should just, um, uh, touch on like, like, you know, what do I do if my supply dips? Um, and then what was the other question you were just talking? Oh, I want to talk about that. And then I want to ask you about like middle of the night pumping. Uh, Cause people always okay. ask, when can I drop the middle of the night? Pump? You know, that's a big yeah. question people ask. So we'll do sure. that. And then we'll kind of wrap. Uh, I want to ask you about your plan that last, that second to last question and then okay. wrap it up. So, okay, cool, cool. So big question, a big problem I think that people face when they're pumping is it's either too much or it's too little. And I think Mm -hmm. the too much, obviously there's, I mean, you were one that you had a lot, right? And so there's issues with that. But a big, big question is like, oh my gosh, my supply is dipping. I feel like my supply is dipping. I'm I'm pumping. Like, what do I even do? Why is this happening? Sure. And I I think that the number one thing to really take note here is your fluctuation is expected or I'm sorry, your production is expected to fluctuate. Yeah. We, we shouldn't be expecting the same amount of milk expressed at every session. There's so many variables that fall into our volume and our capacity. Yeah. Right. So, and I, I'm good for it. I remember when I was pumping for my multiples, I'm like, I should have gotten 12 ounces. How did I get 11 and a half? How did I only get 10 or nine? And I was so hard on myself and it's, Looking back at it, I I really overdid it as a first time pumper. I put so much emphasis on the schedule, on the timing, on how much milk I was producing. I drove myself crazy, and I'm pretty sure my husband hated me. Aww. I mean, I was just I was a nightmare to be around, and it's so wild, like how you know, just getting the right education and the right base and the knowledge base of how this works, and then you're like, oh my god, I'm nuts. I didn't need to take it to such a level. So, but if you do find that you are truly decreasing, like over a period of days, over a week where you are making X amount and now you're making, you know, five to six ounces less and it's consistent, then yes, you likely are seeing a decrease that I wouldn't consider fluctuation. You know, you may see a couple ounces over a couple days up and down. Um, But when it's consistently dipping, there might be something more going on. Um, And the hardest thing to overcome are hormones. That's just something that we really don't have in our control. So when your cycle starts or you're pregnant, um, it is it is difficult to overcome those hormones. But I'm again, I'm I'm good for all these examples. I swear. Um, it, when I became pregnant the last two times, I did not. It wasn't planned, and I had no idea what was going on. And I just noticed this heavy decrease, like other not a cycle, like something just like went away. And lo and behold, I was pregnant. Mm-hmm. So my hormones got the best of my milk supply in those cases. I know that's not going to be everyone's situation. Um, but I think something most of us can relate to is our cycles. Yeah. So um, seeing a couple ounce decrease or so with a cycle, um, the best way to just to keep your, your supply up is product removal of production, removal and production, right? Yeah. You have to remove milk, to make milk. And you may still find that you're not hitting the mark that you're looking for. But as long as you continue to encourage production, 
hopefully you don't fall too far behind. We all have our own stories and, you know, responses to this. So it's kind of hard to ballpark it for everybody. Um, But I know like when I would have my, when I would uh, start my cycle, I would try to get an extra session in a day, even with an oversupply, I was still falling short. Mm -hmm. So I would add another session in that during that period of time. And sometimes my supply came back full force. And sometimes I felt like it still kind of lingered. So um, many people say too, you know, I, I I had, um, I got my period and my supply, it went, it's like, dropping and is it ever going to come back? I don't want to tell you, yes, it's going to, because I don't know, right? Mm -hmm. That's like our body's choice. It's like, that's what's going to dictate what's going on with our supply. But the best we can do is just continue to remove milk to encourage production. There are supplements out there, but I'm not going to get on here and like give you a sales pitch on supplements, right? So everything works differently for everyone. 100%. You know, there's so many things out there. Mm-hmm, totally. And everyone always says, well, which one did you like? Well, yeah. honestly, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. So, exactly. Yeah, yeah, it really doesn't. And I've had, I have a girlfriend who did really well with one supplement and that same supplement was awful for me. Yeah. So you just can't base it on someone else's experience. So if you have the option to do like a bundle package of something or like smaller quantities yeah. of supplements you want to try, then I would suggest maybe do something like that. But I, I, I'm not, I like supplements, but I don't want to get on here and try to make sound like they're the end all be all because they're absolutely not. I would, I like to call them band-aids. So if like I'm seeing a dip in supply, I'm going to pump more and then maybe I'll try to bring in a supplement just to try to break that difference in my, you know, in my volume, but I'm not going to rely on a supplement to make my supply. Absolutely not. That is a good, good tip. No, I love that. What about the pump parts because I know that that Mm -hmm. is something that a lot of people don't realize. Wait, I have to replace my pump parts? Now let's talk a little bit more about our sponsor, Willow, the creators of the first all-in-one in-bra wearable breast pump. When I was pumping for Ryland, I used Willow 3.0 and I got to say, I tested a lot of pumps out and Willow was hands down the most convenient one I tried and the one I grabbed the most. Not to mention, I absolutely love the fact that I could see how much I was pumping as I was pumping through their app. Yeah, I am a numbers girl, so I just really like to see you know what's going on down there. <laughs> Willow 3.0 is the only pump that offers 360 degrees of leak-proof mobility when using milk bags. Its gravity-defying latch lets you pump in any position from laying down to downward dog. Willow 3.0 offers two ways to pump and store your milk, either using self-sealing milk bags or reusable containers. It's even a smart pump, like I said. Use the Willow app to control your pump, track your session in real time, review your history, and more. Willow 3.0 truly lets you pump without limits. The Willow Go is their brand new pump. Moms asked for another more affordable hands-free pump and Willow understood the assignment. (laughs) Willow Go has a slimmer profile, higher capacity, and lower cost. Moms can pump into eco-friendly 5-ounce or 7-ounce reusable containers. That's up to 14 ounces of milk per session amazing. It's also app connected so you can pump smarter. Willow Go is small, mighty, and mobile. Perfect for moms on the go. I am so excited that this pump is more affordable for moms and that it can hold more milk. 
Both Willow pumps are FDA cleared and both pumps offer hospital grade suction. They're backed by research and may even be insurance eligible. If you're wondering which Willow is right for you, you can take their pump quiz at onewillow.com MLN. Willow is empowering moms to break free from the wall and live life with both hands. If you haven't tried Willow, do it. <laughs> Visit onewillow.com MLN. That's O-N-E willow.com MLN and use the Mommy Labor Nurse exclusive code MLN10 for 10% off the pump of your choice, even the new Willow Go. One code per customer, limited time offer, terms and conditions apply. All right, let's get right back into this week's episode. Exactly. So I I like to always refer to them as the consumables. Uh, And that might just be like the manufacturing construction side of me. Um, But (laughs) if when things are consumed, if they're like war, if you can wear and tear them, they're consumable and those consumables need to be replaced. So often you'll see your duct bills, your um, valve and membrane. When you have a, a rigid, hard plastic items such as the um, valve and membrane. So you have the valve, which is a hard plastic piece, and you have the membrane, which is that silicone flap for the medulla. You see that? I I believe they're still selling them. Um, Yeah, I think so. I think, I don't think they're nearly as popular as duckbills, but they're still worth mentioning. So like that flap should be replaced, but the plastic part doesn't necessarily. Um, Your backflow protectors on uh, open or closed system. That's another topic. Maybe we can like brief on, geez, there's just so much to this. I swear. Or maybe (laughs) like it's an advanced Mm -hmm. subject. This is an advanced podcast episode, guys. (laughs) (laughs) When you have, let's just, so if you have a closed system pump, a closed system pump requires a backflow protector and that backflow protector is also a consumable. So uh-huh. when you have the suction coming off the pump, it goes to the backflow protector. That is a barrier between your milk and your flange and the pump motor. So you should have no, um, you should never get moisture or milk on the other side of your tubing, okay. um, on the other side of the backflow protector, because that means potentially that the silicone backflow protector is not doing its job. Something's not seeding well. Well, that yeah. silicone is a consumable. So suction goes to the backflow protector. Backflow protector creates a suction and goes to your duct belt or your valve and membrane, which are both consumables. And those right there, like those two key little pieces, um, those should be replaced approximately every three to six weeks. Oh, yes. See, that's three to six weeks. Wow. And is that for people who, and it, I'm sure it depends on how often you pump too, right? Absolutely. Like, yeah. yeah like somebody who is an exclusive pumper like that, you're saying that's probably for somebody who, or, or are you saying the opposite? Like somebody who uses their pump like once a day? Oh no. Good. So good question. I'm sorry. I should have specified. So, okay. uh, well, six to three weeks is also quite a large window. So I would say anywhere yeah. from six to three weeks when you start, if you start seeing a decrease, it may not be your cycle. You may not be pregnant. It may be nothing other than a poor suction on your pump side. So uh-huh. from six to you know three three weeks and on, if you start seeing anything kind of funny, get in there and just change out your membrane, change out the backflow protector, and hopefully that will be you know a stronger piece. Like it's not worn and torn, right? Like the wear and yeah. tear of the pieces just loses the suction. It's um, a bit. Um, ability to create a stronger suction to remove milk. So that very well could be an issue as well for dips and supplies. I feel like when I, I feel like whenever 
I was pumping and I, I kind of knew when I had to change them because I would it would either take me a lot longer to pump and get the same amount out or like I would have to go up higher on my suction. Like I sure. would always be at like a certain suction and then I'm like seeing, oh, I have to go up to the next level. And it's like, oh, I probably have to change my consumables. Like you said, I like that word. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think you said it best actually. Like, yeah. I think that it's really the best way to put it. If you start seeing yeah. um, something, yeah, change funky. in your pump. Yeah, absolutely. Funky. Let's just yeah. leave it at funky. <laughs> if anything gets funky, change your purse. Yeah. And when in doubt, change it. Yeah. And there's a, quite, it's an inexpensive fix, which kind of goes back to when you look at your pump, like what pump do you want to buy? Also consider your consumables. Like what do your replacement parts cost? Because, um, there's this, there's a more, uh, um, a latest and greatest version of the Medela Pisa advanced, I believe it's called now. Mm -hmm. And the pump parts for that, the, to replace the head on it is $30 a piece. Oh wow! And a lot of people don't know that when they get it because insurance takes care of the pump. And then if you're on the hook for the replace of the consumable parts, you might be looking at kind of a hefty expense. Yeah. And, you know, it's unfortunate, but there are, again, if there's a will, there's a way you can hack things, but yeah. that is, you know, that's just how that cookie crumbles. So you want to also maybe take a look at what you have to replace, which again, really is only the backbone protector and the valve and membrane. Those are, the, those are your suction pieces, right? So without yeah. those, you have no suction. So. Yeah. Yeah. And they're inexpensive. Yeah. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. All right. So I want to know, second to last question, middle of the night pumps. So people, I feel like are always like, when can I, you know, especially exclusive pumpers, Mm -hmm. moms who get up with babies and breastfeeding, it's not, I mean, sure. You are want to get more sleep as soon as possible. Right. But those middle of the night pumps seem to like, ah, oh, that is the question going around the mom Facebook yeah. groups. Like, how do I drop that middle of the night pump? <laughs> when yeah, is it yeah, that's happen? a tough one. Yeah. I, I think that's like the million dollar question. And I really, okay. So in the beginning, like we keep talking about foundation, building that foundation for your milk supply and then protecting it. So in the beginning, when before you're regulated, which we haven't talked about regulating, um, but regulation is all going to be based off of our what's driving our hormones in milk production. In the beginning, um, our milk really could very well come in like full full force, right? And and those are our hormones. We haven't pumped twelve times a day to activate that that milk, right? That's our mm-hmm. hormones driving that, and that starts to um, starts to uh, balance around. Uh, anywhere between like six to 12 weeks. Mm. So depending on your supply and how often you're pumping, your hormones, you know, may stay at a, you know, may stay elevated. Um, But once you start to regulate, then your supply is no longer driven by your hormones. Now it's driven by Ah. removal. Ah. So um, I like to just say 12 weeks just to be safe. So you don't kind of cut it too short. And 12 weeks seems like forever when you're sleep deprived, but I swear it all goes so fast. Um, So if you can hold out, you're always going to be better off. Our prolactin levels that drive our supply are elevated in the middle of the night. So you'll often see, um, you'll, you'll see your supply, um, you'll, a good amount of milk removed during the middle of the night or the early hours, like four or 5 a.m. So I, I think the middle of the night, um, that could also like, 
none of this is written in stone, right? Like maybe for me, my middle of the night pump was really more like two or three in the morning. I wasn't waking up at middle at midnight. You know, I was able to push it off a little bit and then pump again at six in the morning when I got to work or whatever the case was. So hopefully you can find somewhere that's comfortable for you and that works for your, your schedule and works for your supply. And you may not have to wake up three times a night to pump. Yeah. So, you know, it really is, it's based off of um, your comfort. I would like to say is number one, because no one wants to be engorged. You may have to wake up just to relieve some milk, you know, Maybe you don't need a high outlet. Maybe you already have a, a oversupply and you're like, oh goodness, I don't need to wake up at midnight to remove 12 ounces of milk. Maybe you need to wake up and, re- and remove one or two ounces to relieve oh. engorgement and comfort and then go back to sleep. Okay. So I'm not suggesting that should be like in the first six weeks, but that might be something to consider, you know, a few weeks on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then from there, like slowly remove it. It's it's such breastfeeding and pumping and the whole thing is just such a difficult road to navigate because everyone's story is going to vary a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. That so. is that is so true. Well, to wrap it up, I want to know what you, your story is going to be for this next baby that you're pregnant with. If you're going to try and do the same thing, if you don't mind sharing, do yeah. you know, a combo or an exclusive pumping. And then where can people find you to follow you on social yeah. media? Oh, cool. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. So um, with my multiples, I I only pumped. I pumped for 18 months and um, nursing at the breast was never an option. It just didn't work out for us. And quite honestly, for me, nursing two babies at once is a real talent. Um, And I never could get the hang of it. And it didn't help that my kids weren't interested and didn't do well. So pumping was the name of my game. And then round two with my daughter, um, I did pump for the first couple of months solid, like just pumping. And then I remember it was like, call it one in the morning. And I went to go grab a bottle and I thought to myself, I can't do this. I don't want to bottle feed and then pump. I'm so over it. I did it for 18 months. Now I'm chasing toddlers. I have a third baby. This is too darn hard. So um, I remember I grabbed my baby. I says, no bottle for you. Get on the boob. And (laughs) Fortunately, it didn't work out like that seamless, but it took us a couple efforts, a couple different tries and get her like acquainted with the boob. Cause I always, I try to put her to the boob as often as I could just to keep her familiar with it. Mm-hmm. And then over time, like I would say probably over a week's time or so, she started getting used to it. And then that was our schedule for months. I, I nursed mm-hmm. in the middle of the night and I pumped during the day. And I think for a lot of people, I'll, when I mentioned that people are like, you could do that. I want to do that. I didn't know that was even a possibility. Honestly, I, w- I don't want to say anything's possible because, again, we all have our own stories and babies, yeah. you know, they have their own stories. Like, yep. you know, it's got to be a perfect, it's got to be a fit. Um, but it is absolutely possible. And I, I did it for a very long time. And that for me was awesome because I would nurse cool. her in the middle of the night, go back to bed, pump during the day. And then our child care would be able to feed the kids bottles or whatever, like while I was gone. So it was the best, um, best of both worlds, I would say. Yeah. So depending on how this baby comes out and thinking like, am I going to want to go to the boob or am I going to pump? Like I definitely want to pump because I like sharing feeding responsibilities. Yeah. Um, that's huge. I think that's probably one of the, like the key driving factors like behind why many of us exclusively pump yeah. because we don't want to be, you know, I, people say it's such a negative thing. Oh, change your baby. But I've seen it. 
my sister, bless her heart, she's on like, her daughter's going to be, I don't even know, three, I think, two or three. And she's still nursing. And, and it is difficult for my sister yeah. to get away, you know, and for many, they don't mind. And there's nothing wrong with that by any means. Um, but it's just not for me. I want to be able to be like, I'm going to go get my nails done. <laughs> I need yeah. to take a break. I got to go get a coffee. Like, here's a bottle. Yeah. I will be back in an hour, you know, like, but that's just my lifestyle. That's what I like for myself. So and nothing wrong mom either way. Too. Like and working, working moms, mom. it's so hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. totally. It can, yeah, absolutely can be. Um, so I think if I can balance the two, um, I would like to do that again. But again, I'm going to just follow the baby's lead. So I have, I have no real plan. I know what I'd like, but we'll see what happens. <laughs> no, that sounds perfect. I mean, if it works so well with your daughter, like... You know, hopefully Mm -hmm. you just go down the same path. Well, where can people find you if they want to follow you, Kristen? Cool. Thank you. Um, (laughs) So I'm, I have, uh, after follow me, I'm on Instagram. So be my breast friend. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I also have a URL. I have a website where I, I don't put nearly as much information on, but be my breast friend.com, which could, you know, link me, link you over to my Instagram. Love it. So. Love it. Awesome. Yeah. Well, we'll put Thank all you. that stuff. Yeah, we'll put all that stuff cool. in the show notes for people to check out. This was a great episode. Thank you so much for cool. joining me today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right, guys, that wraps up this week's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in and letting me be a part of your motherhood journey. It is truly an honor. If you like what you heard, don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And I love hearing what you guys think of the podcast. So if you're liking what you hear or you have a suggestion, I'd be so grateful if you'd go ahead and leave me a review wherever you're listening to help more mamas just like you find the show. What do you think? Are you starting to feel a little more confident about your pregnancy and birth? Well, if you want more, be sure to head on over to mommylabornurse.com slash podcast for today's show notes and a library of episodes so you can keep getting educated before your upcoming birth. And while you're over there, be sure to check out the blog and learn about our online birth classes. Find it all and more over at mommylabornurse.com slash podcast. See you next week. Same time, same place.